Hey guys, welcome back to A Bite of D&D, the podcast that adds flavor to your games and campaigns. I'm your host, Zach, and across the internet is my co-host, Micah. What's up, guys? And today, we're going to come at you from a couple different angles. We're going to talk a little bit at the beginning about Winter Fantasy, the uh, convention that we were up to uh, last month. And then uh, we're going to round this out with our thoughts on the revised Artificer. Yeah, we're... Got mixed feelings there, so we'll uh, kind of save that. But let's, uh, we're a little bit late hopping into Winter Fantasy, but we have been a little bit late putting this out. Let, let's dig into that. We actually just recently got our reviews back from Winter Fantasy. It's a good reminder that we should probably talk about it. I had a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. It's a, uh, to me, it's, it's of the three that we've been to so far, of the three conventions that we've been to so far, you've been to a few more that are smaller, but um, this one, felt the most where everyone's here to play D and D specifically. One is a lot more intimate too. Got to meet people a little bit more than you do. I feel like at something like a, a gen con, everyone was a lot more open to just kind of hang out and chat because D and D was the only thing going on. There wasn't a million other things to go look at. It was D and D first and foremost. Yeah. And uh, along with that, it kind of felt like the a condensed version of Gen Con because it's in the same state. And so you see a lot of the same faces, not just on the DM side of things with the Herald's Guild and Baldman Games running things, but also on the player side. A lot of the local people are coming back. They're recognizing you. You're getting to kind of carry that relationship that you built as a player and a dungeon master together from Gen Con into a new one. And it just, to me, it made the whole system run all that much more smooth well and with how many things are kind of in that general area we also had some people from game hall that recognized us yeah. they came in and asked to sit at my table everyone was super gracious about kind of letting people kind of do whatever they were wanting to do so that was fun they uh they asked their dm if they could move over to my table and it wound up being a very intimate table with just those three players and myself and we really got to really tear apart the that poor module i i I definitely took some liberties because as a group of people i already knew and i kind of knew uh what i wanted to do to have a good time with them but it was a lot of fun got to meet a lot of people there is definitely a much stronger kind of kinship at this convention that i felt at either of the others so far yeah, I, the, we haven't had a bad experience yet, I don't think. But this one, this one just felt more loose and more open. And it really, I think part of that is that this is a, not just a Bald Man Games uh, ran convention, but it's the Bald Man Games convention. And so it's kind of people know what they're doing, getting to do whatever they want to do and set it up exactly how they want it to be set up. And I think that that just kind of permeated the whole thing. A couple things that I would mention on this one that I thought was kind of fun or worth mentioning is that there was a lot of new modules, new adventures being tested at our convention. And some of those went really, really well. The Stardock epic i think by and large was very well received and i've been seeing it cropping up uh at other conventions since then and then other modules were were a bit more rough they they kind of came off hot off the press well there was definitely some delay in getting some of those modules out but i feel like a little bit of that has happened at every convention there's some pretty strict editing 
things everyone has to go through. So it can be uh, a little bit tight, but that wasn't too much of an issue. I did hear that one of the modules only played the way it did exclusively kind of for that convention. Apparently some of the Eberron monsters were used, which is uh, a no-no. Ravnica. Yeah, yeah, Ravnica. There we go. That's what it was. Ravnica, uh, for those of you who maybe don't do the convention things, is exclusive to Magic events. They do not do any Ravnica games at the official D&D conventions. You have to go to a Magic Gathering convention, at least for now, uh, to play Ravnica, though it was my understanding that that was just kind of the way it was going to be. So, one, none of that is supposed to be at these conventions anyway. Two, uh, you're not supposed to pull from a different setting into forgotten realms there so that was interesting and apparently they were a little bit strong for their cr and messed many a group up so a little bit of a hiccup but i don't think anyone was too terribly upset i didn't have to run that one or deal with that one myself so i can't speak from experience so i guess i mean i don't have a ton of thoughts other than that i really enjoyed it and my other thing would be to say like who where would i who would i recommend this convention to and i would say that like if a huge convention with thousands of people intimidates you if all you want to do is is if is you want to go, go and meet people if you want to play D and meet people go to this convention it yeah, is go to Winter Fantasy. Yep. fantastic like Micah said, if you if all you want to do is go play D anD D and meet with people, this is the place to go because you're not going to get anything else. And that is almost, I mean, even even Game Hole Con has other things going on all the time. But here, you're going to walk into one room, you're going to look out across a small lake of people and tables playing. Well, compared D&D. to some some conventions, you might even say this was like a, a puddle of yeah, exactly. D anD D tables. It was the the most lightly sparse. I mean, they fit. All of the epics, all of the standard tables, all of the D&D experience, all into one modestly sized convention hall. I think they said there was maybe like 400 people there, which is maybe maybe a quarter of the size or so of Game Hall Con and like, like you said, a puddle compared to Gen Con. Yeah, but ton of fun. So yeah, if you're looking for a good time, small group, get to know the community, go check it out. It's probably my favorite convention that we've been to. Now that said, I am still greatly looking forward to our return to gen con gen con year two without being the terrified fresh blood that i was <laughs> last year it'll be a good time we've got some friends that are come going to come down and dm with us pulling more people into it i think it's going to be a, a good trip yeah all right i think that's a good that's a good little recap for winter fantasy let's dive into our thoughts on the revised artificer i have a lot of mixed feelings on this yeah and i think the best way to sum up my thoughts without rambling too much is to say that this still feels very much like a class that has a lot of good ideas but no real sense of direction with where it's supposed to go i agree okay i was about to ask if i'm i'm far off base with with your thoughts on that no it it it, to me it feels like just as a simple way of putting it like you had some great ideas and you just said oh let's put them in a mix bag shake it up and see if we can't come up with a class and to me it's like no i think you just needed to develop each of these ideas a little bit more separately or or you need you need to have you know they talk about in writing adventures and, and writing stories how you pick a theme and then you make sure that every beat of the adventure sticks to that theme I think the same thing is true here. Like, I think they need to find what makes an artificer an artificer, and they need to just hammer that home instead of trying to scattergun approach it yeah. and, and come up with something. 
So the, the previous artificer, it kind of revolved around the idea that you are constantly working on making these magical items. Every so many levels, you get to pick from a small list of what magical item you want. And then you have the choice of becoming an alchemist or a gunsmith. Gunsmith getting their boom, boom, shoot em up thunder cannon, which was a ton of fun. Alchemists getting all these crazy concoctions that they could throw for either utility effects or some damage. Kind of like fancy cantrips, I think it'd be relatively fair to say. Some were a little bit more powerful, but for the most part, they're kind of a cantrippy thing that you could do. But they felt very much like the subclass revolved around that thing that they did. And then you had the odd duck out with your mechanical servant, who was just kind of there. It was a really cool idea, but it never grew past that. You got the servant, and then it never changed. Mm -hmm. It was was Mm -hmm. that servant. And the new revised Artificer did several things better. Instead of what I believe they used to be one-third casters, now they are one-half casters, so their spells at least feel useful. They've Mm -hmm. always got some sort of thing that they can do. They honed in, I think, in a better way on crafting the magic items with the infusions and now they're kind of the party crafter though in many ways that makes them mm, i don't know if stronger than intended but very strong and we'll get into that a little bit later with how some of those infusions work i like it but it's a little bit weird compared to how magic items otherwise work um Mm -hmm. now this is all supposed to be for Eberron, not necessarily Forgotten Realms, so... Yeah, that kind of... They kind of... I mean, the disclaimer at the beginning is like, hey, you can use this wherever, but here's a whole paragraph about using it in Eberron. Yeah, so that's kind of up in the air. But I like the what they did with Infusions, but then we get into the subclass, and it feels like this is where their the identity of the class just fell back apart. So in the previous iteration, you had two great core identities. This is the thing they did. Alchemist, Gunsmith... Everything revolved around those cool things. And then the odd mechanical servant. They then took the mechanical servant as like, we're going to mold this into your new class identities and make that the core thing around which you do. And it just, I mean, especially with the alchemist, it feels so out of place. Like, Like, if you tell me I'm an alchemist, if you come to my table in the near future and you say, I want to play an alchemist. I hadn't read this document. The furthest thing from my mind would be that you have a homunculus servant along with you. So what this smells like to me is they were like, I watched Full Metal Alchemist lately and there were crazy homunculi in that show. Uh, They get a homunculus now. It's cool. It feels very out of place. Gone are your super cool concoctions and bags of different things you can do. And instead... You have proficiency in herbalism kits, and if you do poison or acid damage, you can get some bonuses to that, and you get a spell list that is slightly more attuned to maybe what you could call an alchemist, and um, that that's kind of it. You you don't they, they have a one one small very blurb about when you craft potions, you do it faster and it's cheaper, yeah. and that that's your al- alchemy. They're a, they're a potion maker, and I I don't mind the idea that they're a, that they that that's part of their. I mean, I like the idea of that. I just like when I look over this class, I'm like, what makes it exciting to play this subclass? Yeah. What's exciting about this? Not just in combat, but just in general. And I'm like, eh, this this subclass is a wizard who really liked their familiar. Made the now the familiar is kind of cool. It actually has some cool abilities that you can use as a bonus action, which. 
for bonus actions, I would say they lean towards being strong, but it doesn't help the identity of the class, which is my biggest complaint with it. A good DM, a good player can flavor this in a way that does, but you you are now a familiar caster as opposed to, in my mind, an actual alchemist. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it's just a little bit bizarre for the name alchemist. I don't know. Yeah. I don't have a whole lot of thoughts on this. Cause I, I, to me, I look at it and I love just about every class, just about every subclass. I think there's something interesting to latch on to. I look at this and I say, I don't know. I mean, it's just, there's, I mean, we'll get onto the next thing here in a second. And I'm, I just don't see it as there being much of a comparison in my book. But Yeah. The artillerist I think is clearly the better of the two, but, yeah. So while I, you know, with that being said, why don't we, we dig into it? So artillerist, in your mind, what does an artillerist uh, scream at you for what they do, especially considering what an artificer is, what the artificer has been in the past? When you read artillerist, what do you expect to see? Absolutely. So I'm almost, you know, my mind goes to something like a grenadier or something like that, something that's going to build us things that we can then lob at the enemy at range. And yeah, I mean, I don't even think of it necessarily as being a magic build, but again, it does, it still is a half caster, but go ahead. I mean, that's but my like idea. A, a tech explosion. Yeah. Exactly. Bring the gun back, like big yeah. booming. All right, let's get a drum roll for this because it is pretty exciting. You make kind of okayish wands. Huzzah. Yeah. I'm an artillerist. Um, and it has, and you basically make a Torbjorn cannon, uh, turret. Yeah, you, you, you make a, a spider crab turret, which arguably is much cooler than the homunculus. The, the trouble with the turret comes in with it takes an action to place, so you lose your action for the turn. Not a big deal. You can use a bonus action to immediately make the turret go. So... It's fine. You're not truly losing a full action for the turn. Bonus action, it can fire. Your super duper cool turrets don't really have scaling damage. So you have three options. A flamethrower, 15 foot cone, DC uh, dexterity save for 1d8 fire damage. You know, it's an AOE for bonus action that can stack up. I'll give it a pass. But still, um, but still, I mean, think about like burning hands. Right. Now, uh, Force Ballista, which in my mind is clearly the, well, depending on the situation, but for an offensive turret, the best. 120 feet, uh, range attack, 2d8 force damage, and it can be pushed up to five feet away um, mm-hmm. from the turret. More damage, it is an attack roll, which depending on the thing might not work as well. But hey, it's a solid attack. Two potential d8 on a bonus action is pretty solid. You know what? It's cool. I, I'm not going to complain about that. That's pretty sweet. And, and then Defender is also pretty cool. Can be kind of a support class and have your turret make shields for you. 1d8 plus your intelligence modifier temporary hit points every turn. And that's um, cool. That's a cool I, ability. I think that's super cool. It's an AoE temporary hit points for a bonus action you can do every turn. You're not using a spell slot. Like, I think that is pretty solid. Let me talk about the downside real quick, just to this turret in general. It's an arcane turret that kills it for me right there. You summon the turret. You don't. You don't. You don't whip it out of a pack. You don't carry it around. You literally like it's a it's a magical thing that pops up, but yet it has. I I feel like maybe, and I'm going to take some of the fall here, maybe, and and 
people can tell us if I'm wrong. But maybe there's just way more weird flavor in Eberron than I know about. But I imagine that a lot of the mechanics, the mechanical, uh, I mean, we have like the Warforged and all that. It's like actual gears and metal design. And a lot of this subclass, it has that visual, but it's all just energy and, and, and magic and not a, 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 that's at least what it feels like. Well, and I, this is one of those things you can flavor however you want. So it's not yeah. a big deal. It does get crab legs, so it's not stationary. It can move yeah. with you. Now, the downside is it only has a move speed of 15 feet. So mm-hmm. if you guys are done with the room and you need to dash off, this thing, it really isn't coming with you. You can only have one out at a time until later on. But once you do hit a certain level, you can drop two of these things out at once, which that's where it gets really nuts when for a bonus action, you can have two turrets firing. You can get some pretty good feelings out of these. I like this definitely more than the other. I just hate the wands. I feel like the wands were really an awkward force in. Really wish you could have kept some form of a, a gun or a pistol or something, maybe grenades. I mean, I mean, I would have loved to see the alchemy pouches for an alchemist too. So, well, look at their look at their spell list, right? I mean, I say turn, allow yourself to create some sort of object that can activate those spells or something. I don't know. Like you have that right thing yes, there. Yes, pl- for your artillerist spells, make them an item. Yeah, or make all your. I, I think there is flavor text in here saying that you can play you should and could flavor all of your spells as like a tool or a trinket they have and that's a cool way of looking at it it's not actually a a mechanic for the class or a feature of the class but that's about the only way in my mind you can keep the identity of these things as what they're meant to be yeah well let me let me point out one more thing that i i i I mean i do like the idea somewhat behind this turret I think it's a fascinating little concept, but one big flaw that I see in it is you can summon a turret once per day, once per long rest. And I know that as long as you keep it alive, it can walk 15 feet, but that is going to mean that in many adventures that span across a long distance, that you're either going to have to move very slowly or or the main portion of this class is going to be left behind. Well, and so you can summon it once for free. You can summon it more, but every time you do, you have to spend at least a first-level spell slot. So when you're spending first-level spell slots, you know that's probably worth it. Once you get into your very few higher-level spell slots, that is a very expensive turret. Now, are you really going to be summoning that many turrets? Maybe not, but it does mean you're not going to be able to use shield or some of your other abilities because whenever you use another spell, you're losing turrets. Whenever you use a turret, you're losing spells. And do I really feel like these turrets are worth a spell in general? For me, a lot of times, no. I'd rather have the flexibility of having my spell slot and being able to cast whatever I need. On the bright side, maybe you don't prepare any first level spells. You know, you're like, you know what? These spell slots exclusively for turrets. I'm going to have five turrets during the day, a free one, four first level spell slots. That's good enough. Everything else is a spell. Yeah. That's fair. And I, I, I don't know. I just, to me, like, let the let the thing that makes this class feel special be the thing that the, makes I, like, don't don't put it, don't tie it down to like, well, it's a limited resources, because as soon as that limited resource runs out, this class is, becomes boring. What I would say is I think a change I would rather have is make it tied to your intelligence modifier. Instead, you're not really getting that many more 
yeah, uh, turrets. Yeah, I mean, you're capped out at six. That's one more than if you only use first level spell slots for it. That's not a big deal, especially considering you can only have one out at a time anyway, and it's slow yeah. as all heck. Like, or even n- just once a short rest, I think would be okay. Like, yeah. I, I, I don't think there's a reason to limit it in quite the way it does, but uh, I don't think it's a huge thing. But it is something it's I'm not thrilled with. But yeah, at 14th level. It is pretty cool. This actually ties into the turrets, which I like. They're not forcing the wand thing or just giving you poison or acid damage like they do for the alchemist. At 14th, your turrets now provide half cover for any allies within 10 feet. Super cool support feature. Now you can have two out at a time, and you can summon two for free before the long rests. So that does kind of alleviate some of it, but it is an action per turret. So you mm-hmm. can't summon two at a time. It is an action I summon a turret, action I summon a turret. There is some setup involved. Mm-hmm. But pretty cool um, and some some solid uh, support that they give out. So between the two, Artillerist for takes me, the cake. takes the cake easily. Uh, that The Alchemist just really just really hits me in the gut. Yeah. Can I uh, let me make a note before we? I, I, I assume we'll probably want to talk about their um, their infusions, but but I I think it kind of ties in because we've been talking about spells a lot here. Another big thing that I have a little bit of an issue with, big thing that I have a little issue with, is that there's only one new spell tied to them, and it's arcane weapon first level spell. If you go back and you look at the other classes. Um, that we have that are spellcasters, especially half spellcasters. If you think about druid, if you think about if you think about druid, sorcerer, cleric, those types of classes, they have spells that feel designed for them, that are designed for them. And it's not just one; it's a handful. It's a collection, and that's what really makes a druid feel like a different spellcaster than a ranger, or a druid feel different than a paladin. It's that they have enough flavor in their spell list options to really pull some stuff out that no one else is going to pull out to me the fact that we raise the level of what what this type of spellcaster this is from a from a one-third spellcaster to a one-half spellcaster we really need to see um, in my opinion six to eight new spells that only this class has access to now the the reason it exists is because surprisingly enough these guys are like full-on martial classes yeah. So at level five, they can make two attacks so long as the weapon they're holding is magic. This spell allows them to make any weapon they're holding magic. Yeah. Downside is it does take concentration. So any of those other sweet concentration spells like haste or fly or some of those other useful ones, which arguably if you have a wizard, your, your wizard should probably have. But even still, you cannot use those while using arcane weapon. But for a first level spell... And it's fine, but it it doesn't really spark the imagination. What I do want to hit on, though, because we have been fairly harsh, I do really like the infusions. Mm -hmm. I also like some of their higher level class abilities. Unfortunately, most people they're at a very high level. You know what? Let's dive into that first, so we can finish complaining before talking about something that I'm actually super excited for. Soul of the Artifice, I don't believe, is really changed from. The last iteration. So Soul of the Artifice is their capstone, their level 20 ability. At level 20, you can attune to six 
magic items, and you get plus one bonus to all of your saving throws for every item you have attuned. That is a plus six to all saving throws, which is crazy. Six magic items attuned to you, which is crazy. However, this unlocks all at once at level 20. Hmm. Who is playing for at level 20 for that period of time? I'm sure there are people out there. I'm sure someone would be excited about this, but I feel like at that point, people are just doing that anyway. They're like, ah, screw it. You're level 20. Here's stuff. Um, And in the old version, you gained those attunement slots throughout your leveling career. So say you're level eight. Now you can have four items. I don't remember the exact levels. I don't have that pulled up in front of me. I would pull that old system from the old artificer if I were to do this. So that is something they build up to. Now, the saving throws unique to level 20. They don't get that until level 20. The sixth Mm -hmm. slot, not until level 20. But give out some of those while leveling or well, here's here's just a practical side of it most campaigns end at 20 so what you're saying is that this ability so you're going to have that this character is going to fu- suddenly get the ability to unlock to equip three more items if you're playing you know hard cool by the rules you're saying you you know you have to if it says attune you have to attune you can only attune to so many all of a sudden last level they can attune to three more they have to have those three items on their person and they better get them equipped quick because most campaigns that hit 20 end around 20 and so they're getting them equipped just to end the campaign yeah there's not a lot of people who are are playing 20 plus and most campaigns end well before anyone sees level 20 at all so give them some of this throughout the leveling give them the the cool thing of i can use more magic items and maybe that's too strong because Having attunement slots is actually quite strong, and I'm sure they're like, this is a level 20 ability, but it but feels, surely, it feels if, pointless by that point. Yeah, if three attunements, adding three attunements is a level 20 ability, then I think you have a hard time making a case that getting one extra attunement couldn't be a level 15 ability. Right. You know? So, if, if, something. Yeah. Something. Because I feel like those attunement slots are almost never going to see play. Other cool thing the the right cantrip for the job so i don't think it would come up a ton but these guys can swap out cantrips on short or long rests which is pretty cool if they don't have mage hand or prestidigitation or something that'd be useful you can always swap that out and honestly that's a thing that i'm surprised hasn't popped up in another class before now and i like it a lot yep so i i I think that's solid cantrips can be fairly powerful i think giving them some flexibility in that is pretty sweet i'm 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 all for that and then the other one which is super cool unfortunately it is an 18th level so again you won't see it until fairly late but you can imbue a spell into an object for repeated use so when you finish a long rest touch an item or a weapon that you can use you can then use that as a spell casting focus and store a spell in it choosing from a first or second level spell that takes one action to cast and then with the object in hand you can use an action to create that spell's effect there's no limit how many times you can do that you have an infinite first or second level spell slot well it says um the spell stays in your object until it has been used a number of times equal to twice your intelligence modifier i lied you can cast it 10 times per short rest still pretty good good. Uh, something like uh knock if you're going for more of a, a sneaky thief sort of artificer tools tools for the trade get in and out uh odd job sort of person um shield i mean they're kind of a martial class the way they're written with those double attacks 10 shields per day plus five to your ac for for a round 
count me in. Um, anything like that that you don't want clogging up your spell list that is super useful, boom. Invisibility. I mean, Invisibility. Nice. There's a yeah. ton of cool stuff you can do with that. Uh, oh, you know what? I lied. You can't put shield on there. Has to take an action. Why don't we go back to what I am super excited about and what yes. is actually a huge improvement over the previous iteration of the Artificer, which are the infusions. So infusions make these guys the tinkerers they're supposed to be. The previous Artificer, you would get to select from a small list of things every so many levels of, this is the magic item that I have created. Infusions are different. Similar to kind of cantrips and things, you choose what infusions you know at certain levels, and then you can just make those things. You do not have to make them for yourself. You can make them for whoever you want. There's no limit to how many infusions you can have out at a time, aside from you can only make so many per day. And they get a little bit nuts. And I should also say, if you liked the magic item system from before, there is an infusion for you. Uh, Replicate magic item. Using this infusion, you can replicate a particular magic item. Um, Basically, when you choose it, you choose what item you can replicate with that. So you can't just make anything from the list that they provide. You choose the thing that you can make, but you can take that infusion multiple times. So if you want to make normal magic items that exist in the DMG, you can do that. Mm -hmm. Some of them have level requirements and things, but you get some pretty decent items you can make from that and is worthwhile on its own, uh, which is super cool. Yeah. And there are several things like the, when I look at what items they've allowed you to make, it's, things that just uh take care of the the frustrating bits that sometimes come around like you can get goggles of the night so if you have that character that that one human in the party that can't see in the dark take care of it with that wand of magic detection just if you're if you don't if you don't want to be spinning spell slots to cast detect magic there you go there's um cap of water breathing again it's just these things that's like look we don't really want to have to spend time figuring out how we're going to deal with the one human or the one thing that can't breathe water or the one thing, you know, or we don't want to cast a spell over and over and over to tech magic. These are the perfect reasonable items to take care of that. And it's not just going to ruin your, it's not going to ruin the play. It's not going to feel overpowered. It's just taking care of something that's an annoyance anyways. Yep. And as you level up, super cool stuff. We'll let you guys look through it. But if you want to do the traditional, I make my magic items, you can do that. But this is where we get into some really cool stuff. Zach, I don't know if you had any jump at you specifically. I certainly had one that I was very excited about that I had a discussion uh, with someone else on Twitter about. So uh, I I don't know if you have anything you want to jump in with or if you want me to hop in with mine. But I am super excited about these. The only thing that I'll throw out, just because there's a lot of like, ooh, that could be fun, is the boot to the winding path. And I don't know if that's the one you were going to talk about or not, but... Just the act, getting, getting allowing someone to take their bonus action to move an extra 15 feet and it's a teleport, to me, is a whole lot of fun for a whole lot of classes. Well, and this kind of works kind of like a, a Sands of Time sort of thing. So the yeah. super cool thing about it is you can stay within range a little bit of your party. You dash forward, you poke someone with your sword, you teleport back to where you started at. Because the teleport, you can only do in a spot that you have already been in that turn. So it's like a quick rewind where you go forward, you jab them, and then you're gone. Uh, it kind of allows anyone to play the rogue game a little bit, where instead of bonus action to disengage and run away like mm-hmm. a coward, you bonus action and teleport away like a coward 
but it looks a lot cooler. Yeah, and it's just a it's a fun like I see a lot of tactics being implemented through these boots. A lot of like, okay, I'm gonna run this direction on purpose so that I can bump back and I think like there's certain martial classes that are gonna go say, I'm gonna go kill this guy and then I'm gonna be able to teleport back to be in melee with this guy. That's gonna allow me to have my sentinel feed to do this. Like I mean, there's just so many things that I think they could build off of this to make it something someone leaves their party behind they kick down the door there's a horde of orcs on the other side and they say no thank you and they jump back and they're like hey guys i screwed up but i'm not dead yeah you're welcome yeah. anyhow that's just i mean that would be the one that i would throw out as interesting so the one that i was super excited about that i did not even catch because it's hiding kind of down on the bottom of the last page in an awkward corner that then wraps around to the other side is returning weapon. My wife and I recently went to uh, an axe throwing place called Bury the Hatchet around where we live. Got two hours of throwing axes by ourselves because they made a mistake. It was great. But when I got done, I got on Twitter. I'm like, how come more people don't use throwing weapons? I, how come there are no real archetypes that really specialize in throwing weapons? We need this. Someone show me what you've got. I want something. And someone rightly pointed out that as one of the infusions... An artificer can make any simple or martial weapon with the throne property a returning weapon. It grants it a plus one bonus to attack and damage, so it's a plus one weapon, and it returns to the wielder's hand immediately after it is used to make a ranged attack. Doesn't take a bonus action to reload your crossbow or anything like that. Throw it, it comes back, it does not require attunement, even if you don't use it for the returning property. You can give everyone a fairly inexpensive plus one dagger that they can keep on them. And you know what? If they need to throw it because someone's running away, they don't have to worry about losing it. Super excited. It enables pretty much anyone to play a throwing class. And I'm excited for it uh, just for that. Now, I'd still like to see an actual class or subclass that is specifically geared towards a thrower. So if you have something, you know, let me know. But I was super excited for that. There's some other cool things on here. We won't dive into everything. I think the only other one I want to hit on, I apologize, is the mini-handed pouch. It's kind of like, so no, it's not kind of like a bag of holding other than it's an interdimensional space. It doesn't have a massive interdimensional hole that you store everything in, but what it does do is tether multiple pouches together. Two to five is what it says. So you guys get potions. You don't know who to divvy them up to. You don't know who's going to get stabbed next. You put your potion into one of these pouches, and anyone who has a connected pouch can pull out anything from that pouch. It's kind of a cool way to share keys or items. Maybe you're on a sleuth mission and you're all split across this mansion for this heist and someone finds a key and they don't know where it goes. They stick it in the pouch. Someone else can go, aha, I know where the key goes. There's a dun- bunch of different kind of cool things you can do with this that and I'm I would excited just, about. And I would just notate that that can either be the best thing for your table or the worst thing for your table. Because I, as a dungeon master, I love those moments where I say, okay, but who has the key? And they're like, oh, crap, we left. It's me, and I'm back way back here, or X, Y, and Z. Like, like, I know that that's what makes this class, that this is an option for this class to shine is in those moments. But sometimes, you know, a lot of what we're trying to do as a dungeon master is, is screw you tension. over. Right, exactly. Or who has the healing potion? You don't have it, right? Oh, now we got to figure out how to get this guy from way over there 100 feet away to you in one round. Can we do that? Like, those are interesting bits of tension that this class 
and I think I think it's cool that they're because there's going to be other tables that like it's awesome that you built this thing that you have these these pouches that allow you to transmit items quickly like all of that's cool but I think it might reduce the amount of tools in the typical DM's toolkit for making tension or allowing tension to grow and you might have to expand your tool belt yeah I would say if you want to try and maintain some tension uh reduce the range on it as it's written uh it works as long as the pouch any of the pouches are within a hundred miles of each other so yeah aside from going to another like being banished to another plane you're probably always going to have access to that so if you want to change that to like a hundred feet like still a pretty healthy distance but if you really split off it does break your connection i don't know you you can play with that but it's a cool item. I think it allows cool for item. some yeah. for some pretty neat play. And I was excited about that one as well. And I think that's really where I want to end it on these because as a whole, I'm just not thrilled. But the infusions alone have me excited. I, I like them. But unfortunately, I think I like them most as NPCs. I would love I, – I mean I'm down. I would love for a player at my table or me to play at another table – and really get into this class and get 12 sessions in and see yes. what it feels like in yes. that way. Because I, I think ultimately it would be fun to play. I'm looking at it on a piece of paper. I, I think you you will 100% have fun playing it. If you play the Artillerist, um, I am forever shaming this version of the Alchemist. But I, I think it would be fun to play. But it, it just, there's not enough to get me really excited about the class as a whole. I'm excited about them being a magic item monkey for the party not so much anything else yeah. if i'm if i'm yeah. gonna be honest no i'd i'd have fun playing an artillerist <laughs> I, I don't care whether how that plays out i i would have fun dropping a turret down and shooting and stuff i'm i'm cool with that so, right you, you want to wrap it up there call that good let's let's wrap it up there hopefully uh, we'll be getting with a couple of creators who have reached out recently we recently completed an adventure we're hoping to talk to that dm we've got uh hopefully uh, an artist or two lined up someone who does professional dming as a potential uh person on the show if we can make all of our schedules work out We've got some cool stuff lined up. I've been talking to some cool people. If you are a cool person or just want to reach out and tell us that we suck and that the Artificer is the greatest thing ever, you can find us on Facebook or Twitter at A Bite of d d If you leave us a review, that always helps. Zach, do you have anything going on you want to share or any thoughts to part our dear listeners with? No, I mean, my I guess the things that are on my mind right now, like you said, is we've got this huge backlog of people that want to come on that we want to have on here. And to me, that's exciting. It's exciting to, to get to talk to a variety of different individuals that are impacting different sections of the community. And I'm having some opportunities to work with a few of them on some little quiet projects. And I'm excited about that. Like to me, that's what this podcast is really become about is is building up the community, supporting the community, supporting what I would say the little guys or the, the smaller guys who are out there chugging away or who have put out their one or two really great products. And it's about saying, hey, these guys are great. You should pay attention to them. They're doing exciting things. So I'm just really excited for the next few weeks to put more of their stories out in front of our listeners and to get their names on the discussion board a bit more. Yes, 100%. Last couple of potential nuggets. I may be getting sent a test kit for kind of a new tabletop RPG system. I'm hoping to get the... uh, 
the individual who reached out to me on that uh, on to talk. So not quite D&D, but it spawned because of hoping to get more people into the tabletop kind of RP community who are maybe a little bit intimidated by some things. So it sounds like it's a pretty cool, simple system. So that that's maybe the, the most unique, the most different out of our ordinary that we may have cooking. And, and hopefully I'll have some more information for everybody here soon. All right, guys. Well, appreciate you listening and uh, we'll see you next week. See ya.